0: Hi, welcome to One Heart Church this morning on Good Friday. So glad that you've tuned in. If you're watching from Allison, want to say a really, really great welcome to you. It's fantastic that you've been uh, tuning in to our services lately. So I want to say great and thank you for being part of uh, uh, this journey that we're currently on. So uh, welcome and, and uh, really a great big God bless you to you on Good Friday. So the title of the song that we just listened to is Jesus, living hope. And that is what we have as Christians. There is no tombstone for Jesus. He died, but he didn't stay dead. It wasn't by some sleight of hand or, or magical trick. Jesus is the author of life. He was raised supernaturally in the power of the Holy Spirit, overcoming death. And Jesus is indeed our living hope. So Good Friday is significant. It's our reminder of salvation. It's a, a reflective time, a time to thank Jesus, a time to think about what he accomplished for us on the cross. Good Friday commemorates Jesus' torture and his death. We're looking back in, in our part of history to that moment, as, and we're beneficiaries of the cross. The Old Testament prophets pointed to the future and Jesus and God's plan to save us from sin. Most of us would be familiar with the story of Jonah being swallowed, by, being swallowed whole by a, a huge fish and three days later being regurgitated up on a beach to bring a message of healing and deliverance and forgiveness to the evil people of Nineveh. Now Jesus used that story to describe that he would die, be buried for three days, And be raised to life in victory, having victory over sin, having victory over death. So Jesus going to the cross is the only adequate way to forgive sin, to deal with sin. Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Jesus that the Savior would be beaten, would be whipped, would be tortured. And not for his own sin, but to forgive ours. That's an amazing thought. Isaiah 53 verse 5, I'll read it to you in the New Living Translation. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we can be healed. I just want to explain a few details about this Good Friday. And uh, I guess some of the the biblical uh, things that we see. The place where Jesus was crucified is called Golgotha. That's a Hebrew word meaning place of the skull. It is sometimes referred to as Calvary. This is the Latin definition of the same word meaning skull. There's another word we often use at this time. It's called crucifixion. And uh, that's a torturous method of execution used by Rome. Uh, it, It meant binding or nailing someone to a wooden cross in public and leaving them there until they died. It was a very humiliating, slow and agonizing way of death. So the cross was the last of a series of humiliations that began when Jesus was born in human form. The Bible says that God humbled himself and came to earth, lived a sinless life to reach the sinful Philippians 2, verse 7 to 8, the Apostle Paul describes it like this. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So can we take another look at Jesus this morning and his purpose at Calvary? The first the first purpose that he had was he died so he could carry away the penalty of the world's sin, which the penalty of sin is death and the the, the, the thing that Jesus wants to uh, bring is life in the presence of God, his eternal life, not only life for, for, for now, the life that we live here, but also for the promise of eternal life uh, when we die. So the second thing that Jesus accomplished on the cross is healing. So wherever Jesus went in his ministry, he validated his claim as God, by miracles and healings. So Jesus' healing work is still active among us today, among disciples, among believers. So we can be sure that when we pray in impossible situations, that, that we can cry out to Jesus and he'll hear our prayers. When we pray believing in Jesus, we can expect miracles and we can expect healings. So not only was Jesus tortured and murdered, but in a most unusually humiliating of ways, a most humiliating of circumstances. So Jesus was humiliated all for the cause of you. I don't think we can adequately describe the level of evil that bore down on Jesus, even during his arrest and trial. Uh, Mark chapter 15 verse 10, it tells us the leading priests arrested Jesus out of envy. There was no openness of heart to God uh, or his word among the, the leading priests at the time. They didn't have any legal argument to bring against him, but they turned him over to the Roman army. Mark chapter 15, verse 17. The Romans, it says, they dressed him in a purple robe. It sign- the, the purple signified royalty, but they were mocking and ridiculing Jesus as uh, the only claim that the uh, the Jews could bring against him was he says he's the king of the Jews. And so they, they mocked that and they ridiculed him and, and uh, did all kinds of uh, humiliating things to him. It's here uh, among the, the Roman soldiers that they placed a crown of thorns on his head as they saluted and they spat on him and, and struck him. The crown of thorns signifies every tormenting thought that has ever entered the mind of of man. Jesus wore that crown and knows the pain of a tormented mind, of tormented thoughts. Um, Verse 20, it says, When they were finally tired of mocking him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him again. And then they led him away to be crucified. Jesus saw the value of everyone. And took the humiliation and the torment, and made a way of victory through it by taking it head on in his own body. what Jesus endured, he defeated for you. so Jesus completed the old the old covenant of blood instituted at the first passover in egypt that was that was also indeed a, a picture of the work that that Jesus would accomplish. Uh, with his own sacrifice. We find in Mark chapter 15, verses 37 to 38, that uh, Jesus' last moment it says, Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn two from top to bottom. This totally declared the old covenant was done with the old covenant of the blood instituted back in the days of Moses. That 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 uh, that uh, old system was 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 finished, was complete. Jesus, although at that moment had died, he was he was dead and was soon to be buried, and a new covenant was on the way. So this morning we're going to share communion. We're going to do that uh, in a moment, but we're going to take communion today. It's a a representative of that covenant that Jesus was referring to that extends all the way down to us, that Jesus instituted, I should say, for us. I'll read to you Matthew 26, verses 26 to 28. Jesus, we call this the Last Supper, where Jesus spent time with his disciples the very night before he was arrested. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it for this is my blood which confirms a covenant between God and his people. It is poured out As a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Now, we read that knowing the cross, knowing what Jesus accomplished. But the disciples, I think, didn't understand the gravity of what was going to take place or the torment and the torture and the pain that Jesus was about to endure. Yet he was giving them a clear example of the sacrifice that was going to be required of him. So I want us to eat and drink this morning together in faith. We become participants with Jesus in the new covenant. It is the way that we become born again. It's the way in which we are forgiven of our sins. It is the way in which we are healed. So as we eat and drink together this morning, I want us to consider that sacrifice that Jesus made for us. So why don't we uh, eat together right now? just like to bow your heads off like to do a prayer of thanks. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the cross. I thank you so much that you what you bore on the cross you bore for me. You bore for us. You saw you saw us through the eons of time and the, the the space of history and you died for all people for all time. You gave your your body was broken, your blood was spilled so that we could be born again, so that we could be free of our sin. And we just want to say thank you, Jesus, for what you accomplished for us that day upon the cross. I pray in Jesus name. Amen. Some time ago, I visited some pioneer graveyards on the Air Peninsula and I read every tombstone. Uh, This is something that I like to do. Each stone declares, basically, here is a dead person. Here is where a dead person resides. The thought I want to end with this Good Friday is Jesus has no tombstone. The grave was only a temporary assignment. Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2 says this. This This is an encouragement for us, knowing what Jesus Has done for us. So let us run with endurance the race that has been set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarded its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So Jesus endured the cross because he saw. He saw uh, the, the, the seed in heaven. And I want you to begin to picture yourself in that heavenly place as a born again, spirit filled, washed believer in Jesus Christ. So One Heart Church, I hope that we can run together a good race that brings honor and glory to Jesus, our living hope. I look to the day when I will see Jesus and I hope that uh, you can uh, be spurred today to look to Jesus as the the, uh, the perfecter of your faith. So um, this Easter season, may we all experience a deep, fresh experience of the victory that we have in Jesus. I'm just going to close in a word of prayer. And I just really believe that uh, God wants to do something fresh in the church. He wants to do something uh, bringing us closer to him, bringing us into a greater and deeper understanding of who he is. So in this time of unusual circumstances, I know that the church is going to um, go on a, a, a new expression of our relationship with the Lord. So why don't you just bow your heads with me? I'd love to pray with you right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person uh, watching this, um, watching this service today. I thank you that, that uh, you died and gave your, your life for, for us for them, for, for all of us. And I just pray today by the power that is in the name of Jesus, that you will draw us closer to you, that in this season that people's hearts will be drawn to you, that they're, they're, the questions that they have will be, will be sorted through, Lord God. And I just pray today by your spirit that you may pour out in abundance the good things that you have for us in Jesus' name. So I just thank you for that, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, We have a service 10 a.m. Easter Sunday, 10 a.m. this Sunday. Tune in again. It would be great to have you with us. And and do let us know um, that that you're watching. I'd love to hear from you. God bless you. And uh, may your Easter time be significant this year. Thank you for watching. What a great word, Pastor Ron. In the season, separated from one another, I am very grateful for technology that allows us to come together as a church online. I encourage you, join us again on Sunday morning for our Easter service at 10am.